Happy holidays. Welcome in to the Chief Zone podcast. Happy New Year. Hope you guys all had a fun and safe New Year. Hopefully you guys didn't do anything too crazy during the New Year's. Uh, But in any event, you guys have all made it to 2020. We are in the new decade and this is the first episode of the Chief Zone podcast in the new decade. Appreciate all of you guys. Downloading and listening to this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. DJ Evans is with me. Zach is, once again, not going to be on this episode. He's actually in Kansas City right now, traveling for the holidays and all. Uh, I might get a chance to uh, meet up with him uh, over the weekend, uh, hopefully, because I know he'll, it'll probably be a while before he gets to come back to Kansas City. But in any event, DJ and I are here recapping the big win over the LA Chargers. Even bigger, the Dolphins beating the New England Patriots and giving the Chiefs a bye week for the wild card round. We'll talk about that and much more here on this episode. We'll talk about our predictions, who do we think the Chiefs will play in the divisional round, and kind of an interesting trend with Super Bowl matchups that might give you guys some optimism that the Chiefs could make it to the Super Bowl, plus the teams that are interested in Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy. all of that here on this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. You can follow me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Farzingvasugian. Give that page a like. Follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at Farzing21. You can also follow DJ at Chiefs Fan Chai. You can text into the podcast 913-808-2119. We'll read a couple of your texts later on in the podcast as well. As I mentioned, DJ is with me here on this episode. DJ, Happy New Year to you. Do you have a, do you have a fun New Year's? You know, <laughs> our New Year's Eve was pretty... Uh... Simple. We uh, we went to bed at eight thirty and set our alarm to wake up at eleven a.m. or I'm sorry, eleven p.m. Uh, so that we could actually. I was going to say that years, is a great night's yeah, sleep. We, uh, yeah, up. we we actually we we planned pre planned to not stay up the whole night. So <laughs> getting old sucks. You know, you know I, yeah, that's true. But at the same time, it's like. You know, when you're, you know, in your college years and even shortly after college, I like you go a little over the top with your celebrations. But at the same time, once you get older, and I've kind of learned this being in my late 20s, you do kind of just have a sense of appreciation for low key events. You really do, don't you? Oh, yeah. I mean, the last time we actually went out was seven years ago. Um, Everything else has been at our house or somebody else's house. We don't go out to like bars or anything like that. Just you know, it's amateur hour, so uh, we had a good time. Um, it took a little bit of uh, time to get my wife to come downstairs and like get ready. She was, she would have like literally slept through the night. So <laughs> they have like this big fireworks show in Vegas that I woke I saw up that. For. Um, that was I was trying to sleep through that. Not uh, not doable at all. Uh, in the least bit, because I mean, they have fireworks. There are not. They used to do something years ago where every hotel, all the you know big hotels on the strip would light off fireworks. Now it's only a few of them. One of them was including where we stayed at the Venetian, and you can just hear the noise. It's it's terrific if you're trying to get some sleep. Except it's really not. <laughs> Uh, but in any event, uh, glad you got a, you got had a good New Year's. Hope you hopefully you all had a great New Year's and a Merry Christmas. Because since we last did this podcast, it was before Christmas. Uh, we wanted to get the the recap and the preview out of the way before all the holidays. And plus, I was out of town, and Zach, of course, was traveling as well. So obviously, it's been a while since we've last done a podcast, and uh, a lot a lot happened <laughs> with the Chiefs game and the Dolphins game. I mean, at the end of the day, look. 
it was two totally different scenarios, but in a way, this kind of reminded me of the 2006 Week 17 where the Chiefs needed three or four other bad teams to come through for them, and they all did. The biggest one being the 49ers beating the Broncos uh, in the late afternoon game uh, where they barely got the field goal in overtime. And, you know, that was obviously to get into the playoffs as a, as a sixth seed. This was to uh, get a bye week. So two totally different scenarios, but still kind of the same feel where you were pulling for a really bad team with the Miami Dolphins and an inconsistent quarterback and Ryan Fitzpatrick to come through for you when it happened in the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, it, it actually reminded me more of last year when we beat the Ravens on a crazy play by Mahomes to Tyreek Hill uh, to get to overtime. And in the middle of, or in the midst of us winning that game, um, I was on my phone looking at the Patriots losing to the Dolphins on that kick return where Gronkowski was trying to like tackle the guy at the end of the play. So, Oh, I do remember that. It was, it was pretty crazy. And my wife will never let me live this down, but I, I actually, and I will admit this. I, I gave up <laughs> once it was fourth down. I said, it's over. And we walked and we were in the tunnel and we heard the roar of the crowd and we missed the the play from Mahomes to Terry Gill. So pretty bad. And I, I admit it. That was bad on me. Were you at uh, were you at this uh, Dolphins game or uh, not Dolphins game, uh, Chargers game? This I was Sunday? not. No, we watched it on TV. But oh, okay. th- and that was the so- funny thing. Like we so we were watching the Chiefs play the Chargers, but I switched it to the I mean it was pretty obvious that we we're gonna beat the Chargers. So we switched it to the Dolphins game and totally missed Kevin Harlan's awesome call, and I'm sure he'll bring it yeah. up. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> um, well, see, I was at uh, Blue Diamond Saloon, which is a Chiefs bar in Vegas, and I'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, met, met a couple of uh, listeners there, which was cool to, cool to hear. Uh, but, uh, you know, obviously when you're at a bar, you're not able to hear the commentary as well, so I completely missed the whole Kevin Harlan thing because we actually had the um, Dolphins game on another TV, and everyone just lost it. It was honestly louder when Ryan Fitzpatrick got that touchdown pass than any big score from the Chiefs in that game because that was the game you were keeping an eye on the most. And, you know, the Dolphins got off, I think it was to a 10 nothing start, and you kind of questioned yourself, is this really going to happen? Because the Patriots did climb their way back, as they usually do in these kinds of situations. Uh, Belichick and Brady, I mean, even though in a, in a really down year like this for Brady, they still find a way to uh, come back and compete even when they're trailing. Uh, they, they've done that a lot throughout the, their time with, with the Patriots. But you kind of wondered, is this really going to happen? And when Fitzpatrick threw that touchdown pass with, what, less than two minutes to go? I don't remember the exact time. You just knew that the Dolphins got it. You knew it was over right there, even though the Patriots had some time. So... Uh, it, it was certainly good to see, and a lot of people knew about the Dolphins in the past couple of years, how they have defeated the Patriots, but it was in Miami, so this time in Foxborough, it was not possible at all. It was possible. It, it happened. And by the way, one of the weirdest stats, or I guess it's not a stat per se, it's more of a fun fact, Ryan Fitzpatrick has defeated the Patriots while playing for every AFC East rival. He's done it with the Jets. The Bills and the Dolphins. That is a really weird, but kind of a cool stat for Ryan Fitzpatrick. 
You know, it's funny is I, I have a friend that is a Patriots fan on Twitter. And before that game, I asked him about like, you know, how do you, how do you feel about this game? And he said, Fitzmagic, like he, he, he was worried about <laughs> him doing that. And he did exactly what he did. It's, it's crazy. Some guys, some players own other teams. Uh, there's no rhyme or reason to, to it, but it, I mean, it, it was it was amazing to see that, and man, did that help us out. I mean, I would never have imagined. I, I for example, I booked our flight for the playoff game um, for this weekend because I was so sure there was oh, no, no. Way be. So <laughs> we're not getting the buy. So <laughs> we canceled the flight. We get the credit, it's Southwest. So we're going to drive for the next weekend. But that's how sure I was that the Patriots did not go to the Dolphins. You know what's funny? I mean, look, we're almost 10 minutes in when we haven't discussed the Chiefs and Chargers game because that Dolphins game was far more pertinent for us. Uh, We'll get into the Chargers game in a moment, I promise. But um, you know what's funny is I'm already seeing Patriots fans uh, throw this meme around online where they show – I can't remember which receiver it was, but it was the one against the Chiefs where they called him out of bounds at the three-yard line. Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah, and of course, you know, they missed an illegal block in the back on that same play, but, yeah. you know, don't tell don't tell Patriots fans. But the meme says, <laughs> um, if uh, if this play was called correctly, losing to the Dolphins would not matter. And I'm thinking, all right, well, we know, we, we know how Patriots fans feel about that. But in any event, uh, you know, bad calls happen to, to every team. I've if said you, that for a long time. Here's what I would say. If you have first and three or first and four from – in, in goal, you should actually score. I, I <laughs> like agree. You, I said that on the podcast. It's totally ridiculous. Time, like yeah. you're going to complain about that, and somebody else pointed this out. I didn't even think about that. That only, I mean, that's a difference of four points. We won by seven. So, are, are they arguing that they would have the momentum? Maybe, but that's speculation. So, I don't know. I don't buy it. Well, you know, you know, the, and the last thing I'll say on that Patriots game, the, the way I see it is, Bashad Breland, he got flagged on the third offensive, or I mean, it was the Patriots offensive snap of the game. Uh, but on a third down play, Breland got penalized for a terrible interference call, which eventually helped the Patriots get a touchdown. So the way I see it, it it's one of those heavily delayed makeup calls, which, you know, I heard Patriots fans saying, well, I don't like makeup calls. Because I want it to be called the first, right the first time. Guess what? I agree, but it happens. Uh, so the way I see it, it's just a very delayed makeup call in Kansas City's favor. But uh, in any event, uh, the Chiefs did pull through uh, against the Chargers, and it, the Dolphins are the ones that actually pulled through the most. Um, let's go to that Chiefs and Chargers game uh, because obviously that's what we're here for to kind of give our commentary on that. Uh, another good win. And another division win in the books. And I'll get into the division record because there's a lot to say about that. Um, But this was obviously a significant one to help yourself move up in the playoff seedings. Uh, The defense did allow 21 points, the most during this winning streak. However, Terrell Suggs, Frank Clark, and Chris Jones each had a sack in this game. And they combined for seven quarterback hits. And Clark also had a key pass deflection. I believe that was on a third down play. And you know, losing Alex Okafor and Emmanuel Agba, definitely brutal. But when you have Terrell Suggs, who's only been with this team for two games, but in the two games he's been with the Chiefs, 
it's not like he's, you know, off to a slow start and having a hard time, you know, figuring things out. He's going after the quarterback. He put Trubisky uh, in, a, in a bad position a couple of times and did the same thing against Phillip Rivers as well. In fact, the one sack he had moved him up in um, in uh, NFL history for total sacks uh, ever since they kept the sack. I believe he's now 8th or 7th. I don't have that in front of me, but he he, he passed to Marcus Ware to move up in the all-time placement for uh, career sacks in NFL history. So already making a big impact in Kansas City. And you look at Tyron Matthew, uh, another newcomer on this football team, the third newcomer we've mentioned, uh, two pass deflections and a huge interception in the end zone to keep the Chargers away from putting a point on the scoreboard at the time uh, when they were in the red zone. And I haven't felt comfortable saying this until now, but he has honestly become the perfect replacement for Eric Berry. He really has because Eric Berry, I mean, he made a lot of plays as do a lot of safeties, but the thing about Eric Berry is he really had a knack for making plays in crucial moments uh, coming up clutch. He really did. And you're kind of starting to see that with Tyron Matthew right now. Would you kind of agree that he is now becoming that? He's basically making the loss of Eric Berry a little bit easier to accept, I think. Absolutely. Like I, so um, Sunday, I I saw Sam uh, Mellinger uh, tweeted that because I think there was a play where uh, Tyron Matthew kind of missed getting a pick. And uh, he posted that Tyron Matthew was like, probably a guy that's had almost picked so many times, maybe the greatest in NFL history. Oh yeah. And then like maybe like 10 minutes later, he had the pick in the end zone. And so I actually retweeted him. I said, hate to see it. I, you know, I like Sam. So I was kind of joking with him, but yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I think that uh, Tyron Matthew has been huge, especially over the past like four or five weeks. And, you know, Eric Berry, I love him. I mean, great guy. Um, unbelievable story to come back from cancer. Yeah. And I actually think that that probably was the like part of the reason why he ultimately was like his body failed him. I mean, you know, to go through radiation and chemo chemotherapy, uh, it's, you know, that has to have a huge effect on your body. Um, but you know, Tyron Matthews has been a huge part of our team uh, the last four or five weeks, and he's uh, he's obviously the leader right now. Yeah, and you know, the thing with Eric Berry is, and, and I'm sure maybe that, I mean, I, I'm not refuting anything you said, but uh, I mean, th that foot injury, and I guess the, the decision to not have surgery on it, and he's still available to, I know last off, or this past off season, he visited the Cowboys, but right. no one's no one's signing him, which um, which is interesting to say the least. I know a lot of people are suggesting to bring Eric Berry back because of the Juan Thornhill situation, and we'll touch on that a little bit later. But uh, you know, the thing is with Juan Thornhill, Tyron Matthew, and Frank Clark; these are all newcomers. Thornhill, obviously, a draft pick. Tyron Matthew, a free agent, and Frank Clark was through a trade. Uh, but all newcomers that got off to really slow starts, and they really came together and. Right now, I know this offense isn't playing lights out, but this is the balance that I have been complaining about that that we need. And I'll take this balance right now because when you have this defense that's playing so well, your offense doesn't have to put up 50 or 40 points a game. And, you know, in the games where the Chiefs did score a lot last year, such as against the Patriots or against the Rams... I mean, that was cool to see and all. It made for some exciting games, but it had a lot to do with because of the fact that the defense was allowing so many points. So 
it's really nice to see this balance um, because we've been complaining about this defense for a while now, and it took some time this year to get things under control, but Spagnuolo figured it out, and as the players, um, and, you know, as people said a couple of weeks ago, this defense definitely peaking at the right time. You're absolutely right. I mean, last year was awesome. It was fun to watch a quarterback for the Chiefs throw for 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns. And I'll always remember like being there when I actually saw the graphic on the, the scoreboard. But at the end of the day, we don't care about that. We want to win playoff games. We want to win a Super Bowl. And if winning a Super Bowl and winning playoff games means uh, Patrick Mahomes throwing for 200 yards, 250 yards, but our defense is playing well and we win time of possession and we win the running game, um, I'm okay with that. I mean, look at the Chargers game. Uh, Mahomes threw, threw for, I think, 178 yards, maybe. One touchdown. It was below pick. 200, yeah. Yeah, it, but he he was methodical throwing the ball that whole game, and he had a couple of big throws, and we won the game pretty easily. So, you know, people want to see the gaudy stats, but at the end of the day, we what we want are playoff wins. And, you know, we haven't had a lot of those, but – so far, we've had one with Mahomes. Um, I think we're going to have another one with Mahomes, and I think we might have another one and maybe another one with Mahomes. Well, hopefully. Uh, it's, it's hard to replicate that uh, in that in the way you, you described it, but hey, certainly not going to argue with that. Um, and look, uh, you mentioned, you know, what if the Chiefs go to a Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl with Mahomes not playing lights out, per se? Look at last year's Super Bowl, arguably the most boring Super Bowl ever between the Rams and Patriots, I don't think Patriots fans were complaining about how boring that game was. Uh, I, I Sure, they'll admit that it's boring, but I think they were too busy celebrating their sixth ring. You look at Super Bowl 50 between the Broncos and the Panthers, Peyton Manning had a terrible year and even a terrible Super Bowl. Uh, Von Miller won the uh, uh, Super Bowl MVP because of how bad both quarterbacks were, but, but guess what? I don't think Broncos fans were complaining that it was such a boring offensive game. Uh, they were just happy to win a Super Bowl at the time. Because, you know, the Broncos had some early exits, some disappointing early exits under Manning, so it was nice to see that from a Broncos standpoint. So, look, I'm fine with that, too, uh, as you said. You know, if he doesn't have a uh, crazy game, that's okay. But if he does, hey, makes it all the more exciting. But you mentioned he was held to below 200 passing yards. Uh, This is the first time since week 13 he's been uh, below 200 or through for fewer than 200 yards. Uh, in weeks 13 and 12, playing against the Chargers at, or excuse me, the Raiders at home and the Chargers in Mexico, Mahomes struggled in those two games uh, in, in terms of moving the football, but able to do some some things in this one. Tyreek Hill had four catches in this game. One of them was a big one, uh, but was still significant uh, at a really important time. Travis Kelsey, he had three catches in this game. He was shut out completely in the second half, though, which was frustrating with this offense because... They had a bit of a hard time moving the football through the air, but thankfully, uh, in a year where it's been really tough on the running backs, the ground game really came through. Damian Williams had 12 carries for 124 yards and a pair of touchdowns, and in my opinion, this is probably the... I know he had the big Vikings game, but I, th- I think this is the best game he's had since the AFC Championship game, where he had three total touchdowns in that one. You had Darwin Thompson going out there, uh, carrying the rock a little bit as well. And, uh, of course, Darwin Thompson, he and Byron Pringle, they were both key blockers on that kick return touchdown from McCall Hardman. Um, so some of the younger guys on this football team, you know, guys like Darwin Thompson, Damian Williams, McCall Hardman, Byron Pringle, 
Uh, and again, Thompson and Pringle, it's one of those, you know, it doesn't pop up on the stat sheet type of plays. But those guys really came through when the Chiefs needed it the most because that kick return touchdown, I believe that was after the Chargers had a really, really long touchdown drive and made it 14-10 to take the lead. And at that moment, there were some concerns because the offense had a hard time. And then you have special teams that come through for you when you needed it the most. Yeah, and, you know, McColl actually proved his uh, value as a return specialist, right, for the Pro Bowl. <laughs> so um, Damian Williams... That was a really impressive run for me. Um, you know, one of the knocks on him has been that he doesn't have the same contact balance that Kareem Hunt had. But on that run, he had perfect contact balance. He bounced off like two or three Very guys. Impressive. Yeah, and he, he took it to the house. I mean, it was that was amazing. Um, McColl, uh, that's a guy you're going to have to watch the next few years. I really think he's going to take over the role of the second wide receiver. I think... It's probably yeah. likely that Watkins is going to be gone after this year unless he takes a substantial pay cut. Um, but eventually I think McCall is going to be the second wide receiver on this team. He's only getting like, you know, mostly like 10 or 15 snaps at most. Um, but when he makes plays, he makes those plays. And um, he had a big catch uh, aside from the kick return. He had a big catch in the game too against the Chargers. So um excited about him another great draft pick by uh Brett Feach you know I, I I tweeted this earlier and a lot of people liked what I had to say about this I do think Sammy Watkins will stay on this team and I do think he'll take a pay cut because here's my thing he has really I don't want to say he's thrived but he has kind of flourished with the role that he's been given. I know injuries have, you know, sidelined him a little. And he's had kind of a weird year where, you know, he had three touchdowns last year. And this year he had three touchdowns in the first game of the season and did not have another touchdown the rest of the day. He did catch a pass in the end zone, but that was on a two-point conversion. Uh, we haven't seen Watkins in the end zone since week one. Um, my thing is, if he does, if he refuses to take a pay cut and the Chiefs release him, where is he going to go? Because they're not going to pay him that same amount of money. And I don't know if he'll be able to find the success that he had in Kansas City elsewhere. He's benefiting from what this offense is doing. So I I do think he does take a pay cut and comes back uh, unless he knows that there's another team out there that's willing to pay him a lot of money. That's just my thought right there. I mean, no, that's a great point. I mean, you're worth as much as another team is willing to pay you. And if there's no other team willing to pay you a lot of money, then you're looking at staying at the place where you're comfortable. So, you know, for us, it, we might benefit from the fact that I don't know what team will actually look at him and say, like, look, let's pay him $15 million a year. Maybe we can get him for, you know, 5 to $8 million a year, um, which isn't bad for a second wide receiver on this team. You don't. I think Patrick Mahomes is kind of turning into like, or maybe he has already become the LeBron James of the NFL where, you know, players might be willing to come to Kansas City and maybe not at the best price for themselves personally, but, you know, who's going to say no to playing with Patrick Mahomes? Um, because you see a lot of players that want to go to L.A. now because LeBron James is there, Anthony Davis is there, and, and you're seeing the success that the Lakers have in, in their turnaround season. 
why would you miss out on that? Uh, you would love to have the opportunity to play with uh, with LeBron James. I saw Des Bryant, and I don't know if this is the greatest idea, but hey, I, I'll never say never. Uh, he tweeted that he wants to come back and play, and one of the teams that he would be he would consider, according to his tweet, is Kansas City. Well, it's not it's not hard to wonder why. It's because of Patrick Mahomes. So uh, Patrick Mahomes does have that effect on players, and I think that's why Sammy Watkins. Another reason why he'll take the pay cut is because he knows this offense is good for him under Andy Reid, and you get to work with Patrick Mahomes. You know he'll get you involved, even if you do have a smaller role on this football team in 2020 and beyond. So we'll see how that kind of pans out in the future. But nonetheless, uh, the Chiefs did win this football game and they're now 27 and three since 2015. And I saw BJ Kissel, uh, by the way, 27 and three in the AFC West. Let me make that clear. Since 2015, I saw BJ Kissel tweeted uh, that it is the best five-year division record in NFL history. You know, look, there are two important things in sports, championships and rivalries. And I know the Chiefs haven't had the championship part of it. Hopefully they do this year. But they damn sure give Chiefs fans a reason to maybe rub it in uh, to, to the faces of Raiders fans, Chargers fans, Broncos fans. Because let's be honest, we do live for sports rivalries, right? And you're you're not seeing the Chiefs lose a lot to division rivals. And in the three times they've lost, they've lost to each team once. Uh, and it's by a combined nine points. They lost to the Broncos on that Joel Charles fumble the Raiders got a couple of plays uh, due to some penalties that allowed the Raiders to get into the end zone and win by one point. And the Chargers rallied from behind, went for two and one by one point. So you've only lost by a combined nine points to your rival since 2015, DJ. Yeah, it is it is unbelievable. I mean, you know, that might be hyperbole, but, you know, everybody talks about the Patriots and their domination of the AFC East. But Andy Reid, since he's been with the Chiefs, has just dominated that division. It's incredible. Um, may not see it again. I mean, it's just I we we play teams in our division, and I literally mostly don't ever fear us losing that game. So it's it, it's a weird thing. But Andy Reid is just he's locked in in those division games for some reason. He just. He knows how to beat those teams. And, um, you know, the Broncos, I, I, it's been a long time since they beat us. Um, the Raiders, you know, I, I actually remember all the games, or at least the last game when we lost to those teams. But it's been a while now. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're we're um, we're really dominating the division. And um, I, I, I look at it and say the next, at least the next 10 years, I would say we're at least going to win the division 80% of the time. You know what's interesting is all three of the other teams, they do have some big question marks moving forward. Like the Broncos, yeah, sure, they had some they had some success with Drew Locke. But, you know, is that something that you only see for a short time or can that carry over in a long period of time? And there are so many other things on this Broncos team that you've got to take care of. The Raiders... I mean, there's a lot of inconsistencies there. The Chargers, you know, you're kind of wondering what the future is going to be without Phillip Rivers, if that was his last game. Um, but this division run has not been as easy as, you know, we're making it sound. There have been a lot of close games. Uh, the Chargers have had a lot of close games with Kansas City. The Raiders have had some close games with Kansas City. The Broncos, um, 
I mean, the Chiefs and Broncos, they've been on primetime, I believe, every year for the past, I think since 2012 or 2013. And they've yeah, all you're been right. very close. No, you're right. Yeah, they've all been very close, uh, with the exception of that Christmas game uh, and, when Dontori go through the past. And then this year when Mahomes suffered the injury, even without Mahomes, you still went wild. I don't want to say wild, but you were able to make it a blowout. My point is, even though it's 27-3, and it has not been easy to win those 27 games. Like, those teams have been pushing Kansas City. So it's nice to see the Chiefs be able to win the way they have in the AFC West. Uh, they've yeah. earned it, and it's been fun to watch. What's strange is, so Andy Reid is very good at winning those close games against the AFC West, but we have, you know, he has trouble winning the close games against other teams like the, you know, the Titans, um, Texans, Colts. So, it's kind of a weird phenomenon. I, like, it, I, I'm not sure why um, we're able to dominate, you know, division po- opponents, but not the ones that we're playing outside. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've never thought of it that way. And, and look, I know I've made my criticism of, of Andy Reid clear. I know I got a lot of heat for what I said after the Titans game, and I still stand by that. I think this is a Super Bowl. You got to go to a Super Bowl. You don't have to win it, but you got to go. Um, and I think that's why I've been so critical of Andy Reid because I can understand why the past critics are still chirping with the struggles he's had. And look, I'm I'm nervous. Uh, I really am. We could be playing the six-seeded team but called the Tennessee Titans, um, and I'd still be scared because, for one, it's the Titans, and <laughs> two, uh, you know, it's, it's Andy Reid in the playoffs. Um, Andy Reid, regular season Andy Reid, my God, he's the best. But playoff, postseason Andy Reid, you don't know what you're going to get sometimes. That's um, that's my only concern moving forward. Um, there was one bad loss, and I know Chiefs fans are concerned about this, uh, with the loss of Juan Thornhill. I mean, of all the great things that happened on that Sunday, uh, there was one big negative, and that was the loss of Juan Thornhill, who has a torn ACL. Uh, I don't want to get too deep into this conversation now, but... For Juan Thornhill right now, it is going to be interesting to see what his timetable is going to be like because if he, I, I'm sure he's had the surgery by now, and ACL recovery can take about nine months uh, at the most, and training camp starts in about seven months, and maybe just a little less than seven months. So I, I'm sure you know he's going to be able to participate in some drills, but no contact drills, and might miss all or most of the preseason. So it might be some time before we see Juan Thornhill in a regular season game. We'll see if he'll be available in September. Uh, Several months away, but with ACL recovery, any injury, you never want to rush, especially when you suffer one this late in the season. Um, But, you know, I I still think Kansas City's defense is going to be good. Do I think, you know, whoever the Chiefs end up playing in the playoffs, uh, and if they can extend that for as long as possible. Our team's going to try to exploit that backup safety position, which is likely going to be Dan Sorensen. Yeah, of course. Uh, Sorensen has some weaknesses, hence why he's a backup. I I think he's done some good things in rotation. Uh, But as a starter, yeah, I can understand some concerns there. And look, I know about the whole Eric Berry thing. um, But look, as I kind of said earlier on, uh, there's a reason why he has not signed uh, with a team by now. Uh, I think the Chiefs defense will still be okay without Juan Thornhill moving forward. I I like my chances with him because he and Matthew have been able to change the culture of that safety position. Um, But not to the point where you have to go get Eric Berry or someone else, I think. I agree. First off, I agree with you. Eric Berry, if he was 
okay and he was healthy, somebody would have signed him. The Cowboys looked at him. They didn't sign him. He's obviously pretty much done at this point, which sucks. I mean, I, I love Eric Berry, yeah. but he's just he's just not he's not Eric Berry anymore. And he wasn't in the AFC Championship game last year. Kudos to him for playing it out because I'm sure he was in a lot of pain. But he was getting destroyed by fifty uh, percent Rob Gronkowski last year. Yeah. So, um, you know, losing Thornhill sucked. I was really disappointed in that. I, you know, I saw that injury. I knew it was an ACL right away. It looked like it. Um, the the positive as far as like that happening, uh, or at least the the silver lining is, if you think about the teams we're going to play in the playoffs in the AFC, at least there's not a lot of teams that throw um, deep. So you know. Our likely opponent is going to be the Patriots, right? The the you know in the divisional round, they don't really have a deep threat. Um, our second likely opponent, unless it's on a pa- trick play, right? Right, exactly. Um, our second likely opponent, assuming we beat the Patriots, is going to be the Ravens, and they don't really have a deep threat. They have Hollywood Brown, but he plays uh, pretty much the same amount of snaps, I think is um, McCole Hardman. So ultimately, I think we're going to be okay in the AFC, at least, without Thornhill. When we get to the NFC, depending on who we play, that might be a different story. But I think I think we're going to be okay with Fuller playing safety. He's played well at that position, uh, surprisingly for me, at least. And, you know, Sorensen playing like at least the box safety position slash linebacker. I think we'll be okay uh, getting out of the AFC. Let us know your thoughts. Facebook.com slash Farzin at Farzin21 and Chiefs Fan Shy on Twitter. Uh, by the way, uh, one last thing going back to the Dolphins thing. Um, so I wrote a post on Facebook, and I think I may have tweeted this also. I said, um, someone needs to make a petition that Ryan Fitzpatrick needs to bang the drum for the playoff game, and how ironic would it be if he actually did that against the Patriots if they made it through the divisional round? Um, so I, I said that, and one of my Facebook followers, his name is Chase Miska. I hope I said that correctly. Miska Miska. Uh, he's a comedian, I believe, in Arkansas, and he was on KMBZ News Radio in Kansas City because he made the petition to bring Ryan Fitzpatrick to Kansas City. And uh, he actually mentioned uh, my name on the radio say, saying that, you know, he saw me write about it on, on Facebook, and that's why he created the petition. So, uh, big ups to Chase. Uh, you know, make you know, listening. People need to listen to me more, DJ. You know, when I speak and when the right people are listening, good things happen. And he's got more than 10,000 signatures. 10,000 was the goal, but I think it's now surpassed 30. 30,000 people want Ryan Fitzpatrick to bang the drum, but... Apparently, it may not be doable because of "quote unquote" tampering. So what? Just just bring an <laughs> NFL official, have him be glued to Ryan Fitzpatrick's side the entire time, and you don't have to worry about a potential tampering. Like, look, it's not like you know they're inviting him to discuss you know business affairs and you know what secrecy you know the Dolphins have in their uh, organization. He's just coming to bang a drum. So what? No, I agree. But how about a crop compromise, Kevin Harlan? Would you be okay with Kevin Harlan coming and making the drum? Um, uh, yeah, but and look, I love Kevin Harlan. You know, local guy, KU guy. Yeah, I'm not going to say no, but um, one of the I, greatest, I to, 
one of the greatest calls in NFL history. He called <laughs> no, two he games at the same time. Called two games. <laughs> Um, he, he'll either be in the radio booth or he'll probably be somewhere else doing, uh, one of the playoff games on the radio. So his, um, his, his participation in banging the drum might not be, uh, beneficial for him, logistically speaking, uh, if you know what I mean. So that'd be cool though. I, I certainly would not say no to that. If that opportunity was there. Let me ask you this. Uh, Well, I guess you kind of answered this already. But I was going to ask, who do you think the Chiefs play between the Patriots, Bills, and Texans? Keep in mind, I did not mention the Titans because they're a sixth seed. And the Ravens, being a one seed, they get the lower seed. So if the Titans win, um, then the Titans will go to Baltimore. But the NFL actually laid it out perfectly where the Bills and Texans play at 335 Central Time. So... Even with the outcome of that game, we still have no idea who's going to go where. So following that at 7.15, it's going to be the Titans at the Pats. I guess I, I, you already answered this, but you think the Patriots are coming to Kansas City, right? I think so. So here's what I would compare it to. I'm a Bulls fan. I'm from Chicago. Um, in 1991, they played the Pistons in the Eastern Conference Finals, and they swept them. Um, the Pistons were kind of dying off at that point, uh, but it was kind of like the logical next step for them to overcome like those demons to get to the finals, and that's the way I kind of see it for the Chiefs against the Patriots. Like we have to beat the Patriots, we have to destroy them, <laughs> so to speak, um, and you know to become the king, you have to beat the king. So, yeah. I, and I want to actually, I want to play the Patriots. Me I too. Don't, I, I want them to come to Kansas City. I'm going to be there. I want them to be there. Like, I, I don't want any other team. I want to play them. And look, like, screw the week 13 or 14, 12 game, whenever that was when we did beat them. My thing is, you know, I still want a little bit of revenge from that AFC Championship game at Arrowhead. So I want them to come back to Arrowhead. Uh, I really want that. And plus, it's like, you know... You want to be the ones to end that dynasty. Everyone thought the Chiefs were going to do it last year in the AFC Championship game. Even you know, Raiders fans were rooting for the Chiefs because they were tired of seeing the Patriots. Like that's that's how crazy it was last year when you had the entire nation rooting for Kansas City in that football game. And I think you'd have the same thing once again if the Patriots do pull through. I think the Patriots are going to win that football game. Although I would not, I'm not, I don't think it's going to be a one sided game. I do think the Titans really picked up at the right time. Uh, when they started to win a lot of their games in the second half of the season under Ryan Tannehill. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I want it to be the Patriots as well, and I do think it's going to be the Patriots. So I'm expecting a Chiefs-Patriots game uh, on that Sunday. I believe it's the 13th. Um, I don't have... Uh, I'm checking my calendar real quickly. No, oh, it's for really the, the 12th. Jan- uh, 12th. Yeah, January the 12th, uh, and I wrote the time somewhere. It's not in front of me. Do you, do you know what time that game is? 2.05. Okay, so it's a 2.05 Central kickoff. Yep. Uh, and yes, we did say 2.05. I know that sounds odd for a Sunday game, but that is uh, what it is. And if I feel the like they switch that, right? They, they alternate with, with AFC and NFC games. I mean, they try to they change the times, time. right? That's kind of weird. Yeah, so the way it was last year, the AFC champ- or the conference championship games, the NFC played first, and then the AFC was, of course, at Arrowhead. This year, it's going to be the other way around, where the AFC will play first, and the NFC plays second, so if the Chiefs do continue on to the AFC Championship game, they'll also have another earlier game 
uh, that Sunday, which uh, hopefully they can uh, they can make it to that Sunday. Speaking of, you know, moving on in the playoffs, ESPN producer, and I, I know I'm going to butcher his name, Paul, he, he, I, man, I don't know how to say this, Hemkitis? Hem, Hemkitis? Do you know how to say this guy's name? I have no idea. <laughs> okay, well, in any event, that's not the important part, but Paul tweeted something that kind of bodes well if you're if you're a Chiefs fan who believes in trends. He tweeted, how important is a first-round bye? And he looked at the last 12 Super Bowl teams. So the last six Super Bowl games have all featured teams that had either a one or a two seed. Essentially teams that had a bye. Starting in 2013, Broncos and Seahawks, both one seeds. Patriots, Seahawks, 2014, both had one seeds. 2015, Broncos, Panthers, each had a one seed. 2016, the Patriots had a one seed. The Falcons had a two seed. 2017, the Patriots and Eagles each had a one seed. And then last year, the Patriots and Rams each had a two seed. Now, the Chiefs did have a one seed, but they were not the ones to move on. It was the other team in the AFC, the Patriots, that had a bye week that moved on to the Super Bowl. So, look, I'm not a big believer in trends or curses, that kind of thing, unless it's the Tennessee Titans for whatever weird reason. But if you're one of those fans who does believe in that kind of stuff, Kind of bodes well that the Chiefs once again have a bye week. And I know some fans will, would, would have said, you know, it's better to, you know, keep the wheels turning and, and, and keep playing rather than getting a week off. But look, let's be honest, you'd rather take your chances getting that week off, uh, especially given Andy Reid's history, which a lot of Chiefs fans are, are happy to have on their side. You definitely want that bye week and you hope it bodes well down the road for you if you're Kansas City. Right. It's, I mean, it's silly to say that you wouldn't want to have a bye week. You literally are winning a playoff game without having to play a playoff game yeah. and having your guys potentially get hurt. So getting that week off, not having to play, and playing somebody after that week is ideal. And so we got that. We got lucky because <laughs> I didn't see that coming. In fact, I booked a flight for this weekend to go to the game. Had to cancel it <laughs> because we're not obviously yeah. <laughs> not going. So, um, no, it's you always – no matter what, no matter what the trends are, no matter how how hot you are as a team, you want a bye week because, especially in football, it, you get a, a week to rest and um, you don't have to, you know, beat another tough team in the playoffs. You know what's funny is everyone's obsessing over Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's kind of become, you know, more popular than Mahomes for just a short <laughs> amount of time. But uh, I, I uh, people are creating, you know... Um, uh, what do you call those? Uh, custom made Chiefs jerseys that have Fitzpatrick or Fitz Magic on them. Uh, I wrote a post because y- you've seen him, right? I mean, he kind of looks like Conor McGregor when he puts on sunglasses. Oh, he does with the big yeah. beard. Yeah, and uh, Conor McGregor posted something because he's returning this month to fight Donald Cerrone on pay per view in Vegas. So he just posted something on Instagram. And I uh, took a screenshot of that, and I posted it on Facebook. I said, hey, look, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick just posted this on Instagram. He's getting ready for a big UFC fight. We better cheer him on later this month. And, I, of course, Chiefs fans found it funny. I mean, they got the joke. But there was one person. You know, there's always got to be that one person, right? <laughs> Someone responded and said, no, that's Conan McGregor. He's a boxer. I'm like, no. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the, uh, the Fitzmagic... Uh, popularity is uh, is big in Kansas City. Uh, another guy who's popular in Kansas City, Eric Bieniemy. Uh, a lot of teams interested in Eric Bieniemy. He got a lot of interest last year. The, of course, the Chiefs' offensive coordinator uh, came back to Kansas City 
But I think there's a good chance that he might be gone after this season. The Carolina Panthers interviewed him for their head coaching vacancy on Thursday. The Giants will interview him on Saturday. And the Cleveland Browns, I I don't think they have a formal meeting with him yet, but I believe they have requested an interview with Biennemi and hoping to get it maybe on a Tuesday when the Chiefs are off next week. So that, that would probably be the ideal time for the Browns. And by the way, I know fans say that, you know, these kinds of things are distractions when they're really not. Um, teams will travel to Kansas City or wherever the coordinator is to make it easier for them because they know the coordinators have a playoff game to prepare for. Um, and how is that even a distraction? What, he's interviewing for a head coaching job? This is common in all of sports, not just the NFL. Even college coaches are interviewing for uh, open spots in the NFL or maybe other college jobs. Um, So this is very common practice. The Chiefs did this with Todd Haley when he was still the offensive coordinator of the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, The Patriots, I mean, they get guys who interview all the time because of their success during the playoffs. So this is by all means not a distraction in any stretch. I know um, (laughs) when Doug Peterson was hired by the Eagles, it was obviously quote-unquote unofficial because they needed to wait for Kansas City season to end. But I remember Alex Smith did three interviews that week, and they asked him about Doug Peterson going to the Eagles, and he kept saying, oh, uh, I, I didn't know they they determined that yet. Good for him. Good for him. You know, that's how we kind of played it off. But then in the press conference after the Chiefs lost to the Patriots that year in the playoffs, after the 1-5 and five start, they asked him that again in the press conference, and he gave the same exact answer. It's like, dude, you know he's going to the Eagles. You've answered this question three times. So, but look, I get it. You know, you're tech, you're an employee of the organization, so he can't, you know, uh, confirm a rumor per se. So I get it. Um, but Eric Bieniemy, nonetheless, he is getting a lot of interest from those teams. Josh McDaniels also getting the uh, same interest from those teams, except he's delaying interviews about a a week back, which is interesting. And I don't know, I mean, McDaniels did shun the uh, the Colts before, but um, Eric Bieniemy and uh, Josh McDaniels seem to be right now the uh, hot candidates, um, as far as coordinators go, to become head coaches pretty soon. I'd be a little afraid to uh, hire Josh McDaniels for some reason. Um, Eric Bieniemy, I think he's, he deserves to get a job, uh, don't, don't get me wrong, but I'm a little surprised. He, he seems like he's getting more... Um, interviews this year than he did last year. And I could be wrong about that, but the offense, you know, this year is not as good as it was last year. And there's a lot of reasons for that. There's a lot of injuries, um, a lot of new players. Defense is better, which actually kind of takes away from the offense a little bit, but people also under, like, obviously people are worried about losing another offense coordinator. We lost Peterson. We lost Nagy. Um, we will eventually lose the enemy, but don't underestimate the fact that the guy that's ultimately creating the game plan and calling the plays is Andy Reid. And there's always going to be another guy waiting in the wings to be the offense that's a good coordinator. Problem to have. What's that? I said it's a good problem to have. I mean, look at the yeah, Patriots. I mean, They've yeah. changed so many coordinators and they're still doing fine. So, yeah, I mean, these things happen. It comes with a territory when you're having success like this. Right. I mean, the, the next guy up is going to be Mike Kafka, and, they're, and and eventually he'll probably get a head coaching job, and there'll be somebody after that until Andy Reid wants to retire. And then I assume that the the guy that's the offense coordinator is going to be the head coach of the Chiefs, but that might be 10 years down the road. But 
Andy Reid is, you know, the knock on him is he can't win the Super Bowl. He hasn't done that yet. I think he eventually will. But one of the things he's been great at is developing um, offensive minds and getting them jobs in the NFL. Um, you know, we should not worry about losing offense coordinators. Like, I think it's kind of funny that people are worried about that. And I think, and I don't know what the rumors are for this. Maybe there is some motion with this and it's just not being talked about by the media. But I wouldn't be surprised if some of those position coaches like, you know, Dave Harrett, Matt House, uh, Brendan, Brendan Daly. I would not be shocked if those guys were getting uh, requests to interview for coordinator position, defensive coordinator positions. In fact, I believe the Patriots did not have like a formal defensive coordinator. I think uh, Steve Belichick, Belichick, Bill Belichick's son, I think he handled the D.C. role. But their defensive coordinator unexpectedly resigned during the offseason after Brendan Daly accepted a job with the Chiefs. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if he did return to New England as a coordinator. And look, you know, uh, yeah, sure, it's New England. But again, that's a great thing to have when your position coaches are, you know, I mean, they're, they're spreading their wings and flying, DJ. I mean, that's essentially how this this industry works, right? So, um, you know, those things are going to happen. And I, th- and I said this as soon as Spagnolo was hired and put together his defensive staff, I said, look, those position coaches, they're really good. And I would not be surprised if those guys all became defensive coordinators, whether it's in college or in the NFL. I know Matt House was a a, a coordinator in Kentucky, but um, maybe some of them go back to college. Maybe they stay in the NFL as coordinators or to become coordinators. But I would not be surprised if those guys moved on uh, anytime soon because of how well the defense has been doing. Uh, and hopefully continues to do for a while. Um, so look, those things happen. It's it's a good problem to have. Uh, one problem not good to have the what the Cleveland Browns are going through. Uh, they fired Freddie Kitchens after one year, which makes no logical sense. But okay, uh, I, and I understand. Look, this was a big year as far as expectations uh, were set for the Cleveland Browns. Um, a lot of people thought they were going to be up there with the Patriots and the Chiefs. And oddly enough, this is now going to be Baker Mayfield's fourth time playing for a head coach when he enters 2020, if you include interim head coach Greg Williams. So it goes Hugh Jackson, Greg Williams, Freddie Kitchens in two years. And now he's going to have a fourth head coach in his third year. Uh, The Browns also fired former Chiefs general manager John Dorsey, which, yikes. I mean, you got fired by the Chiefs. And then in two years plus three-ish weeks, you got fired again. With the same position elsewhere, I mean, yikes! That's uh, it's not very good. He didn't even have, have an opportunity to overpay anybody. Like that's the funniest part about all this. Um, but man, I mean, look, uh, I'm all for making changes when you need to, but when you have a quarterback that you know you you can rely on in Baker Mayfield, but you're having him go through so many head coaches, that is going to mess up his progress. Um, and you know, John Dorsey, gosh, like what is he doing wrong? Uh, I mean, sure, maybe the Chiefs got it right, but you got to feel bad for him a little bit because, you know, he was a part of this franchise and, you know, he went elsewhere and you're hoping the best for him. It's like, what is he doing wrong that he keeps getting fired for? So Dorsey uh, being let go or I guess agreeing to be let go was more surprising to me than Kitchens. Kitchens, you know, I, I saw that hire as they're hiring a guy that's friendly with Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield doesn't need a friend. He needs a guy like Andy Reid or Bill Belichick that's going to, you know, mentor him, but not just pat him on the back and say everything's okay. You know, Kitchens, to me, was a clown. I mean, after they lost to uh, the Sealers and uh, 
you know, Miles Garrett did what he did uh, with uh, oh, Rudolph. He's in a movie theater wearing a, a shirt that says the Steelers started it. Like, that's, <laughs> that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. That like, what are you doing? Funny. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, that's not a head coach of a football team that's doing that. Um, so Kitchens, I, I, I could understand that. I know everybody says that you should give them more than one year. I don't even think he should have gotten one year. Like, he should never have been the head coach of the Browns. Um, but Dorsey, man, you have to look at that and say, okay, I mean, you know, the Chiefs let him go. Um, I wonder if it's a personality conflict with him because I saw him on Hard Knocks and there was something about him that just rubbed me the wrong way. And so I wonder if there's just like a thing where he he just – he is not able to get along with people and he's he, – Trust me, I I will say that he is a great talent evaluator. One hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. I I would love him to be an advanced scout on our football team, uh, but for some reason that guy is not getting along with people. And although I will give him the benefit of the doubt, the owner in Cleveland isn't exactly the best owner in fo- or in sports. <laughs> You know, there, there were some of those complaints with Scott Pioli as well, like the whole candy wrapper thing. It's like, that was weird. And, and the, the complaint with John Dorsey, I remember Therese wrote about this when he was with the Kansas City Star at the time, it was that, you know, the other front office members, like the assistant general managers and all, I guess they were unhappy because Dorsey was ma- was doing things without telling other people in the organization. He just went ahead and did them. Uh, and I... And, even you could kind of notice like a, a really harsh tone from Andy Reid's voice shortly after Jeremy Macklin was let go. Oh, that was terrible. Yeah. And Text I message. remember Bob Fesco of 610 and like everyone can have their opinions of him. Fine. But he actually had a point saying that, you know, Andy Reid seemed upset about that release. And look what happened. John Dorsey got fired. And the rumors that when Jeremy Macklin spoke up and said, hey, he just left a voicemail. He that, that's how I found out. It's like, yikes. Uh not the uh, best way to do business, but uh, hopefully, I mean, hopefully gets a Seattle job somewhere because that guy knows what to do. He absolutely knows what to do when he's uh, looking for players. Um, he, the other, the last thing I want to discuss outside the NFL or outside of Kansas City, the Redskins, they hired Ron Rivera, uh, which, you know, the introductory press conference was funny when Dan Snyder <laughs> said, happy Thanksgiving. Um, but he's now the head coach, and I don't know if this is confirmed or not, but there was that rumor that Jack Del Rio will be the defensive coordinator. It's confirmed, yeah. Oh, it is confirmed? Okay. Yeah. Let's watch that closely, because when Andy Reid came to Kansas City, what did he do? He just changed the quarterback and a few other positions, but the quarterback was the big one that he changed the most. So, you know, Washington has some things that they've got to work on personnel-wise, but based off coaching alone, uh, I think there's going to be a big shift in success in Washington. And I think it's going to be because of Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio. Um, I think fans should keep an eye on that next season to see how that all pans out. So I'm going to disagree a little bit because I, I I think ownership makes a big difference in anything that happens in an organization. And Dan Schneider has shown year after year, after year, after year as an owner that he will run his franchise into the ground either by hiring the wrong people or even hiring the right people, but getting rid of them right, right away. Like he had, think about the coaches he brought. He had, he brought Joe Gibbs back. He brought Schottenheimer there. Um, he's 
obviously bringing Rivera now. He's had a lot of really, really. I think he had didn't he have Shanahan there for a little bit? Um, yeah, he did. He did. And you know, I mean, the Shanahan thing was just brutal. The way he just drove RG three to the ground. I get what you're saying, though. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I it's hard to trust an organization, and I, I always look at um, you know the Bulls because uh, it's one of my favorite teams. Um, you know, Jerry Reinsdorf benefited from happening into Michael Jordan. But for that, the Bulls would have never won a championship. So unless you get that lucky, ownership makes a huge deal. Look at the Cowboys and Jerry Jones. I still can't believe, unless it's happened in the last hour, that Jason Garrett is still coaching the Dallas Cowboys. It makes well, actually, no sense. It, 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 as we're recording the podcast, they did fire him. They did, okay. Uh, I was actually really hoping that they would have uh, extended him. <laughs> like, that would have been the most Cowboys thing ever. Um, right. But... No, uh, no. My God, that took forever. <laughs> yeah, I, that should have happened know. Monday. <laughs> I don't know what the process was. This was a weird Black Monday. Uh, we didn't have a lot of casualties, did we? It was just a couple of coaches, I think. Yeah, not really. No. Yeah, this was. They um, fired a lot of them. A lot of them were kind of preemptively uh, fired. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're seeing teams do that more because they want to. Clark Hunt said this in 2008 when Carl Peterson was fired, or quote unquote agreed to part ways because you know he wants to get ahead of the eight ball that's how he worded it and now you're seeing more and more teams do that uh firing coaches and general managers earlier because they want to get that head coaching search uh or get a head start on that before some other teams do so certainly not a bad move at all let's read a couple of your text messages 913-808-2119 the text line right there i got a couple of texts that we'll read um, this is from the 913. Thrilled we get a bye, but to be clear, it's because of the extra week of rest for the players. Folks should not interpret our, our uh, joy of getting the bye as relief from, quote, fear of playing in Foxborough. Uh, I would have actually relished beating the Pats in their own house in the playoffs. You know what? I get what he's saying. He's certainly not, not wrong, but, you know, I, I hope the Chiefs, you know, I want the Chiefs to play the Ravens just so we can kind of settle who the better team is. And I know we have another text that has to do with that, so I won't touch too much on that. But when the Royals had their postseason run in 2014 and 2015, they won every game, the wild card game, the divisional games, the uh, ALCS both years, like the, the game where they clinched and moved on. All of those games were at home, and the only time they won a series that was on the road was a World Series in 2015. So when you win those kinds of games at home, it's just a really special moment. So I'd love a Chiefs-Patriots match, or excuse me, a Chiefs-Ravens matchup, but then that means you're on the road for the AFC title game, and I would love for an AFC championship win at home, uh, but I'm not really holding my breath on that. But it would be a really special moment because you missed out on it last year, Hopefully you can get it this year, if not at least sometime in the near future. Me too, brother. I was there last year, and I thought for a second that we actually were going to the Super Bowl. So, yeah, <laughs> I really, as did everybody. <laughs> yeah, I really D four. Um, uh, I really, yeah. <laughs> really, really, really want the Ravens to lose that game so that we have the game at home. <laughs> yeah, that'd be that'd be so special. But uh, I'm not really holding my breath on a uh, on a. 
on a Titans miracle. But hey, uh, I mean, I did not. I wasn't so sure about the Dolphins, but we all know right? yeah. how that one uh, panned out. All right, uh, let's go to our next text message. This is from oh, I lost my spot here. Oh, Daniel and Florida out of the six two six. He wants to know. Uh, Mahomes had under 200 yards passing against the Chargers in both games. Do you think teams in the playoffs will try to use that formula to slow down the passing offense and make them run the ball? Uh, Yeah, that's kind of an interesting question. My thing with that is, you know, some people think Andy Reid has been holding back, which maybe, and if so, I'm not a big fan of that because, look, I don't believe in you know, putting too much on film. I don't believe in that. Head coaches, especially if you're Andy Reid, you have to have a really thick playbook. And there have there has to be a bunch of plays there where you never run out of things to call. Uh, sure, you can call things twice. Andy Reid's called a lot of screenplays over and over again. But, um, you know, Charlie Weiss was in, was in Kansas. And there was one reporter, Tom Keegan, who has now uh, moved on. I forgot where he went. I think want to say with a Washington media outlet, but he was been an ESPN. He's, he's a big name guy. Uh, a lot of people in sports media know him. Uh, but he asked a, a question to all the players one week. And I remember just kind of following his shadow, just kind of listening in. And he kept asking all the players in media availability, how thick is the playbook? Because it's Charlie Weiss. And they kept saying, you know, it's a, it's, it's pretty big. They've never seen that many plays before. Um, and I think I'm sure it has, it's got to be the same with Andy Reid. Like, you know, and to answer Daniel's question, you know, I think at the end of the day, yeah, sure, maybe you are seeing teams that uh, might try to mimic what other teams have done to try to slow down Mahomes. But I also believe in Andy Reid's ability to adjust. Um, I know my fear with him in the playoffs still stands, but I, I still trust in his ability to get these players to adjust because that is what Andy Reid really does a great job of, um, especially after a very different game, where a game where you struggle, I guess, where you step back and you're not yourself. You, Andy Reid finds a way to kind of change that moving forward, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, my hope is that he's actually looked at, you know, past years and, um, you know, last. so if we're going to say, is he holding back? Well, he couldn't afford to do that last year, right? Because our defense was the that defense, bad. Yeah. It was so bad. I mean, it is so much worse than what our defense is this year. So we had to score more points than the other team to win the games um, every time. Um, so there's a chance that he is actually holding back because I look at these games and I go, wow, like we're, we're playing some of these teams and I'm, how are we not putting up 30, 40 points on them? Um, so I'm, I'm a little hopeful that we're, you know, he's actually looking at this and saying, you know, let's see what happens in the playoffs, you know, um, throw some things that we haven't seen for a while. Like, Terry Kill in motion. We have not seen that in a lot this year. Um, you know, we haven't seen a lot of McCole Hardman either. Uh, part of that is probably because he's a rookie. Um, but he's, you know, he's only getting like a few targets a game, if that. So I'm, I'm hopeful that there is uh, some component of him holding back um, for the playoffs. See, I attributed that to the injuries and that Mahomes, I, you know, he's not like. It's not like, you know, he has to sit out these games, but, you know, he's still got that nagging pain. I mean, he's dealt with a lot of things, you know, a hand injury, a knee injury, an ankle injury. Like, he's gone through a lot this year. Like, if there's anyone looking forward to the offseason, and hopefully it's not anytime soon, it's Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he's going to be icing up. He may, 
need to have some some sort of procedure done so he can be 100% for training camp. But uh, this is a guy who's gone through a lot. So I kind of attributed that to uh, some of the injuries that the Chiefs have dealt with. Uh, last text message out of the 4-3-2, and uh, he actually got into a couple of topics. He asked about why the Chiefs would not consider signing Eric Berry, and he mentioned the playoff experience, and, and we kind of touched on that earlier, so I'm not going to really dive into that too much because we, we've really gone over that already. Uh, but he does mention something that I want to mention. He says, I want to state that this Chiefs team is the most complete uh, team I've seen since my younger years. Uh, they are clicking on all cylinders. The national media does very little coverage in stating that the Chiefs have beaten the Ravens twice already, and the Ravens are not a team that can come from behind and keep up with the Chiefs' high-flying offense. Every year, the Chiefs have progressively gotten better since Andy Reid has been with them. And I agree, this is the most complete team. I will say this, I see a lot of Chiefs fans, you know, okay, I don't mean to call out hypocrisies here from Chiefs fans, but... There are a lot of Chiefs fans that say, you know, what happened before week 11 does not matter. Uh, You know, if we're going to talk about this defense, we should talk about how this defense has been since week 11. But these are also the same fans that bring up that the Chiefs won against the Ravens in week 3. And to me, it's like, both teams are really different since then. The Chiefs offense has kind of slowed down a little bit. Their defense has gotten better. The Ravens offense is far more different. Their defense has improved a lot with Marcus Peters, who... Leads the league in pick sixes and interception return yards. And by the way, what you see on NFL.com's league-wide stats, it only shows his Ravens stats. So not all of his 2019 stats are considered. And he's still leading the league in pick sixes and pick return yards. Um, his his Ram stats are excluded. And he's done a much better job uh, this year, especially since joining the Baltimore Ravens. And look, he mentions that the Chiefs beat the Ravens twice. So what? I mean, you beat them in 2018, that has no relevancy this year, and week three, okay, I'm sure you're going to look back on film and look look at some stuff if these two match up again, but still, both teams are much different, and by the way, I, I will add this too, because in that game, Baltimore actually did rally to come back, the Chiefs were outscored 23-10 to in the second half, and the Ravens lost by five, so... Um, and yeah, the Chiefs did allow those two miracle passes, which I don't think they would allow now, but you know, what happened still happened. Um, I, I don't know if I'd call this offense a high-flying offense. I know what we just talked about. You know, are they holding back and can we expect a different offense? Um, I just don't know if I would agree with that description. Here's my thing. I, I, don't, I don't mean to refute this text completely. But I just want to, you know, have kind of open an open mind. Remember the year the Giants beat the Patriots um, in the Super Bowl where the Patriots almost went 19-0? and yeah, you know what was you know seven, yeah yeah eight, you know what yeah. was so significant about that postseason for the Giants? I believe every team they played in the playoffs, they lost to in the regular season. Hmm. They lost to the Packers in Week Two that year. They lost to the Cowboys twice in the regular season, and they also lost to the Patriots in Week Seventeen. And I remember that specifically because that game was on NFL Network on like a Thursday night or Saturday night. And the NFL made it available on NBC and CBS because not everybody had uh, NFL Network at the time. And they wanted everyone to see the Patriots go 16-0 and because it had never been done before. Um, so the Giants, all the teams that, that they beat in the playoffs, they lost to in the regular season. So look, I don't care if you know the Chiefs beat the Patriots or they beat the Ravens or they lost to the Texans. Uh, what happens in the regular season, to me... 
your record is now 0-0. Everyone, all 12 teams are 0-0 right now, DJ. I know it's a weird way to look at it, but that's just how I view it because the postseason is a completely different ballgame and every team has changed since then. No, that's fair. Um, weird say I saw today, they were, somebody posted on Twitter about uh, the Chiefs and Ravens and their winning streaks. So if we were to run the table at this point, I think we would have, we will have won nine games in a row. If the Ravens do it, they would have won 15 games in a row. How many times has that happened in NFL history where a team has won 15 games in a row um, to win the Super Bowl? That's unusual. Um, not as un- uh, unusual for a team to win nine games in a row. Here's my point about the Ravens, and I've made this point a lot. The way to beat them, and it's obviously only happened twice this year, you have to get up on them early, and you have to get them like one or two touchdowns, and you have to make – Lamar Jackson pass Um, because once you take away the possibility that they're going to run the ball, that totally changes the dynamic of their offense. Um, Yes. You know, we were up, I think we were up at least 18 in that game earlier this season, week three against uh, the Ravens at Arrowhead. But even, even, even looking at that, um, it still took a lot for them to get back into that game and yeah, we had to get a screen pass at the end of the game, but we were we were in control for most of that game, actually the entire game. So you have to get uh, early lead on them. If you do that, you have a pretty good chance of beating them. And the Browns did it too. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see. I, I I really would love to see the AFC Championship at Arrowhead. I mean, for reasons I just mentioned, but. I, I kind of want to settle that score because Ravens fans are saying that their team is different. Chiefs fans are saying their team is different. And I agree. I think both teams are far different. So I'd be curious to see who the better team is right now uh, between between the two. Obviously, you know, we got to get through the wild card round and both teams would need to win their divisional round games. So uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, how those teams would match up uh, in the uh, in the AFC championship game. Uh, those are all the text messages we got. Definitely appreciate you guys sending your text in, 913-808-2119. All right, real quickly, before we sign off, um, my Vegas trip, a lot of fun. Went to Blue Diamond Saloon for a Chiefs game, for, for the Chiefs-Chargers game. It is a Chiefs bar in Vegas. I've had people suggest this to me. Listeners have been telling me about this for years, and I appreciate everyone that told me about this. Finally got to go. Uh, was a lot of fun. Uh, very small establishment. I mean, the inside's pretty small, so get there early if you do plan on going. Um, shout out to Dexter. He is a Chiefs fan in Vegas. Uh, he is trying to get a big group of Chiefs fans together next year when the Chiefs and Raiders do play in Vegas. So, uh, I don't know if he's going to do like a Facebook group or some like Facebook event. Uh, I'm sure a lot of Chiefs fans are going to do this because it is a Vegas game. Uh, but I'll definitely help him spread the word. Maybe throw a retweet or share a, uh, an event, uh, on the page, on Facebook, uh, whatever he's trying to do. Cause I know he, he's trying to do something big for that. So I'll definitely help him spread the word on that. Uh, he's a listener of the podcast. Uh, also shout out to Gerard, uh, Gerard DeCosta is the construction worker who buried the flag. I wanted to meet him, but unfortunately he's been on the podcast before. Uh, unfortunately he just moved back to his home in Hawaii a couple of weeks ago to be close to his family. Uh, but his friend, Jesse, who's friends with the owner of the bar, he actually saved a couple of seats for us, for my family and I, because uh, we got there right as the game started, and the place was already packed. So big thanks to Jesse as well, uh, who um, 
who gave us some uh, some good seats. It's a really nice place. Uh, definitely check it out if you ever are there during football season, during a Chiefs game. Um, pretty cool place. And, and I mean, there's it's one of those establishments where they allow smoking inside, which I'm not the biggest fan of. There was actually a woman next to us that left because she couldn't stand the smoke. Uh, and I just hate that in casinos. I really do. I can't stand that stuff either. So can't blame Same. anyone for uh, for leaving in this situation like that. But uh, I did want to talk about this. Um, I wanted to mention Blue Diamond Saloon and a couple of the people I met. Uh, you know who I saw? Uh, I saw Pete Rose in Las Vegas. Uh, he was at a memorabilia store. And this was the same one. I shared the story before. There are a couple of these. I don't. I, I don't go to these stores to buy things. It's one of those cool stores to look at but not want to buy anything. They have all these like movie posters, uh, autographs from athletes, celebrities. I mean, they've got all kinds of expensive crap that are overpriced and you can find much cheaper online. There was one guy who was trying to sell me the Avengers Endgame poster for 1500 bucks, And I told him that you can find a cheaper one online and he did not like that response at all. <laughs> um, but anyway, Pete Rose, the memorabilia store he was at, he was charging $150. <laughs> For like a meet and greet, like to, you know, get an autograph, a picture, you can talk to him for 150 bucks. Um, there's another store, by the way, that had a Mahomes jersey signed $2,000 and a signed photo for $1,500. And then they had uh, one that I saw last year that they still have, but they cut the price by 1000 It's a signed jersey with photos for $4,000. All of these are framed. You can find, look, the Mahomes jersey, it was $2,000, signed jersey. Everyone Googled Patrick Mahomes signed jersey on Google right now. You will find a signed jersey for much less than that. Please do not waste your money at these stores, okay? Now look, it's Vegas. Things are pricey. All things considered, how much would you pay? To have a meet and greet with your favorite athlete. I don't think celebrities do these kinds of things, but I know athletes do. I did pay 75 bucks for Chuck Liddell uh, for a photo and a signed bobblehead. Chuck Liddell is my favorite UFC fighter of all. Like, if this guy's absolutely my favorite, sure, I think it's worth it. But 150 bucks for Pete Rose? Like, even the owner... The, by, by the way, there was no line at all, DJ. Like, zero people were in line. Uh, this was at MGM Grand. Yeah, I saw and, the photo. That was... Yeah, if any of you guys have been to Vegas, you know where I'm talking about. He was at MGM Grand... And they have a Hunger Games exhibit in MGM Grand. There were far more people at the Hunger Games exhibit paying 45 bucks a person <laughs> to go in than there were people willing to get a picture with Pete Rose. So I ask you, if you're in Vegas and, you know, let, let's say there's your favorite athlete of all time, how much would you be willing to pay for, like, a signed ball or and a picture with that person? That's a good question. I mean, so Joe Montana would be my favorite athlete of all time, and I know he's actually been in Vegas. Yes, um, he has. But, you know, part of me is like, I don't want to actually have to pay to, like, meet the guy. Like, I would hope that he would actually, like, like do at least do a photo, maybe an autograph. Um, but on the spot, when I'm in Vegas, would I pay 100 bucks for Joe Montana? Probably. Uh, Pete Rose? Hell no. Um, actually... It's funny you bring him up. Uh, I saw him about seven years ago, I think. Same spot. And or actually, I think he was in Caesar's Palace. And uh, he looked like he just hated life being there, <laughs> sitting there, sit, like signing autographs. I walked in there just to look at the memorabilia. But uh, 
he did not look like he was a happy man uh, having to be there, getting paid what he was getting paid. <laughs> Dude, no, nobody was even in line. I, like, when I was leaving the MGM Grand, I passed through that store. Like, the owner was talking to him. Nobody was there. Um, That's wild. He, like, when I was actually walking past it the first time, the owner was actually at the front of the store. Yeah, It's kind of like a mall, just to kind of give people an idea what the whole thing looks like. Um all these hotels on like the first or second floors, they have like these nice shopping malls, a lot of restaurants, places you can drink, all that kind of stuff. Um, the owner of the store got to the front of the the, the place and he goes, ah, Pete Rose, come meet Pete Rose. Uh, you know, this many hits, one of the greatest baseball players of all time. And he did it with no steroids. Like he's, pr- he's trying <laughs> really hard to promote this meet and greet. And I actually w- walked around the store and I... Uh, <laughs> I was looking around and I and I was just you know playing dumb. I'm like, yeah, how much does it cost to to meet Pete Rose? And the guy goes 150 bucks. I'm like, oh okay, okay. And in my head, I'm like, screw that. Um, but I was looking at some of the signed baseballs. I don't know why, but on the baseballs, he's writing, "Sorry, I bet on baseball." Sorry, oh, I bet I've on heard baseball. about that. I've heard about yeah, that. like it's on every baseball. That. Yeah, yeah. And then there was one baseball. It said, "Make America Great Again." Oh God. <laughs> I'm like, what? Oh, God. Like, where did this come from? Like, every baseball says, <laughs> I wish I could have taken a picture, but the guy was right in front of me. So like, sometimes it's you one get of, unicorns, right? <laughs> it, it's one of those stories. You can't really do that. But every baseball says, I'm sorry I bet on baseball, except for one that says, make America great again. I'm like, and, and, you know, the crowd that says, don't mix ba- uh, sports and politics, you know, they don't say that then. They don't say that then at all. But, um, look, and by the way, you mentioned Joe Montana. The place where he signs, Mike Tyson also goes there. Really? And a couple of years ago, I saw Mike Tyson uh, exiting that uh, hotel with eight security guards around him. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, thank God he had eight security guards because I was thinking of kicking his ass or something. You know, Mike Tyson <laughs> of all people. Like, yeah, right. And look, I get it. It's not for his security. It's for someone else's security if they try something. Look. If someone's that dumb enough to want to fight Mike Tyson, they deserve to get their ass kicked. Okay, I, like, or I, 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 I could not fathom people actually wanting to fight the guy, but that's just me. <laughs> I agree. Wash your ears. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that <laughs> too soon, too soon for that. Um, in any event, uh, yeah, that was. Um, Something I wanted to share from my Vegas trip. Please do not give your money to these kinds of stores. Like, yeah, no. I, I bought I bought a couple of things, but at like a really fair price, and I'm talking something really small too, like nothing the, you know over the top. The uh, thing to spend your money on in Vegas is uh, dinners, really. Yeah, gambling and um, dinners. Like they yeah, have great sure. restaurants, but not on athletes. No way. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, they're they're already rich enough. But in any event, I appreciate everyone downloading and listening to this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. We will be back next Thursday. We'll know who the Chiefs are going to be playing by then. We will preview that football game, and we'll see if there's any progress with the Eric Bieniemy head coaching search for him as he'll be preparing for the game, but also looking for a head coaching gig at the same time. So we'll talk about all of that on next week's episode Appreciate you guys downloading and listening. Subscribe to the podcast. Share the links with your friend. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vasugian. That is my Facebook page. Give it a like. Follow me on there. I'm at Farzine21 on Twitter. And DJ is at Chiefs Fan Shy. And I believe Zach will be back 
next week. And you can give him a follow at Z Stenga. 913-808-2119. That is the text line for the podcast. Again, appreciate all of you guys downloading and listening. Enjoy the Chiefs free weekend of football. We'll be back next week to preview the Chiefs divisional round game against either the Bills, Texans, or Patriots. And we'll give our predictions for that. Until then, enjoy all the playoff action, and we'll talk to you next week.